welcome to the Meditation Conversation. I'm your host, Kara Goodwin, and I'm so excited today. We've got Barbara Lamb joining again. This is her second appearance on the Meditation Conversation. Well, technically it's her third episode because I broke the first one up into two episodes, but I've been able to talk to Barbara twice now, and she is just amazing. I really, really love her. She's a UFO researcher. She's worked with thousands of experiencers of ET encounters as a psychotherapist, a hypnotherapist, and regression therapist. And she's the author of several books, including Meet the Hybrids, Alien Experiences, and Crop Circles Revealed, as well as more. So I'm super excited to talk to her, and we get into some great discussions about hybrids and all kinds of uh, really focused on ETs, Um, but she gives so much information, so many stories, and she's just a delight. I just, I could listen to her all day. Quickly before we get started, I just want to mention a few cool things I've tried that I want to recommend to you. These are small businesses who are doing their part to raise consciousness and or help the planet. First up are my friends at the Indigo Sanctuary. I had owners Pam and Andy on the podcast in 2021, where we talked about gemstones, sound and artisan goods. And they're great people and they put a lot of care and intentionality into their shop. I've bought many things from them that are on display throughout my home. They're dedicated to ethical sourcing, equity, profit sharing, and environmentalism and sustainability. Go to the indigosanctuary.com and use code CARA10, K-A-R-A-10, to get 10% off. Comuso helps you shift out of fight or flight by slowing your exhale. There's no app, batteries, or chemicals involved. It's a beautiful product that you wear that induces a proven breath technique that calms you down. I've found that also just seeing it shifts my mind to notice my breath and make it slower. It's a great product, and I'm excited to speak to the founder in an upcoming podcast episode. Use promo code CaraGoodwin15 to get 15% off. If you want to try podcasting, I highly recommend Libsyn for your hosting needs. It makes it simple to get your podcast out to all the podcast platforms out there like Apple, Spotify, and Audible. Use code TMC with your new account and get two whole months free. Do your part to cut out unnecessary plastic and water that's used in processing traditional shampoos by using Viore shampoo bars. I've been using them for over a year now and I truly love this product. My hair feels and looks great, and the product is beautiful right down to the origami packaging. And again, you're taking an important step to being gentler on this planet. Use code CARA for 10% off. And check out the many products from Best Made. They have tons of homeopathic remedies that are highly effective. They're a family-run business, and they've been around for a long time. Get out from under pharma and see what homeopathy can do for you. It's much more natural and you're working with the chemistry of your body. Use code CARA10% for 10% off your order. And now enjoy this episode. Hi, Barbara. I'm so happy to have you here. How are you doing today? Oh, fine. And I'm happy to be here. 
Great. Well, last time you were here, we talked uh, a lot about your own experiences and those of your clients um, with extraterrestrials. And we got into lots of good, good other topics. We were talking right before we started about auras. And um, one thing that I had on my list for that last discussion that we didn't get to was hybrids. So I've actually had Jacqueline Smith on the podcast previously, who, who is a hybrid. Um, and I know that you know Jacqueline because you co-authored the book, Meet the Hybrids, and she was featured in that book. That's an amazing book. Um, I learned so much. It was a very activating book. I remember reading it on a plane and just feeling like, whoa, there's just like lots happening energetically <laughs> as I'm reading this book. Um, so but the book explores the lived experiences of eight people who understand themselves to be part human and part ET. And this may be a new concept for people. So can we start with just um, you telling us about this phenomenon? Okay. Well, there's really a lot to tell. And I think it is extremely interesting and extremely beneficial, actually, uh, to them and to the rest of us humans. So there are many different types of hybridization programs going on in the universe. In other words, one species of extraterrestrials will do a hybridization program with another species of extraterrestrials. So that what we think of or what we hear of as different races of beings out in space on various planets, um, maybe many of them are mixtures also have been hybridized. And there do seem to be a, a number of major types that we humans get to experience, or some humans do anyway, and um, any of us humans can hear about from other people who know more about this. And um, so there are major types like the Pleiadians and the Syrians, the Andromedans, the Arcturians, the small Zeta beings, the tall white Zetas, uh, just to mention a few uh, that many people who are interested in this subject are familiar with. But there are many, many species beyond that where a lot of this hybridization is going on. Also, now, for quite a while, we don't know how many years or how many centuries it's been going on, that there's been hybridization from the extraterrestrials combining with people on Earth. So when I started learning about this in 1991, when I started working with clients who had had extraterrestrial encounters of many different types, um, I began to be aware that some of them were having hybrid children. Now, they may not have known that for decades, that they had had hybrid children, but they had been taken earlier in life, like maybe even in childhood or teenage years or adult years up till about age 50 or so, 
uh, that once in a while they were taken by a particular group of extraterrestrial beings. And the beings removed um, eggs from their ovaries. And they combined those eggs um, with male sperm that had been taken from human males and uh, by reproductive material and genetics from that extraterrestrial species. Sometimes material for more than one extraterrestrial species. And then those little embryos that were formed were subsequently placed in the woman or girl, teenage girl. And then she became pregnant. And usually it's very typical that the girl or woman would go to a gynecologist, you know, feeling different, feeling pregnant. And then the gynecologist would confirm, yes, yes, indeed, you are pregnant. And sometimes um, if the embryo was, oh, you know, one and a half or two months along in development, uh, they would take an ultrasound and there it would be. So she really was pregnant. And then suddenly one morning she'd wake up and she'd not feel pregnant anymore. And that would go on for days often. And then she would go to the gynecologist again and said, you know, it's really strange. I, I just don't feel pregnant anymore. And they would do another thorough check and the doctor would say, no, you're, that's right. You're not pregnant anymore. So it's a mystery for those two people, the doctor and the woman. And then to try to explain it, of the doctor would typically say, well, sometimes the embryo pulls away from the, the wall of the uterus, the lining of the uterus, and just gets absorbed into the system. So perhaps that's what happened. But what really happened was that the extraterrestrials had come and removed that embryo from the uterus and taken the embryo on board the ship and put it in a special tank. These tanks have been described by some people who've experienced this and have been taken to the ship to see this, that the embryo developing into a fetus and into you know, a full-term baby, uh, remains in that tank of special fluid. And the tanks look like glass tanks, according to the witnesses who have seen them. And the glass tanks are <clears throat> completely attached to a machine, probably you know, feeding oxygen and nutrients and warmth, perhaps, um, into the tank so that the hybrid baby uh, gestates very well. And then at, at a certain time, approximately nine months, we think, uh, that baby is taken out from the tank and wrapped up in, in little blankets and then raised, nurtured and raised in the air on the spaceship. And that little baby, of course, is hybridized and grows into being a hybrid child and eventually a hybrid adult. 
And those hybrid adults usually remain on the ship and work with the beings. And in some cases, they may be taken to a planet and live with that civilization. But they're usually, well, first-generation hybrids done in that way um, are not human enough to come to Earth. And, you know, they wouldn't be able to withstand our, excuse me, or viruses and bacteria, and they would look rather odd, you know, from our point of view, they probably would not be readily accepted. Mm-hmm. So they don't come and live here. But those hybrids sometimes combine reproductively with another human. And then that offspring is two-thirds human and one-third hybrid. Mm. If And that hybrid probably would remain on the ship or on another planet, too, not being quite human enough to really cope with being here and, and to be accepted here. So that hybrid, being two-thirds human and one-third extraterrestrial might uh, combine with yet another human. So you see the percentage of human is is increasing. Increasing. Yeah. So that hybrid would have a better chance of surviving here if that hybrid came to live on Earth. So anyway, there have been many reasons given for hybridization given by the extraterrestrials to many of my clients, as we have found out in the several thousand regressions that I have done to people's extraterrestrial experiences. So sometimes these people who've had hybrid children and were not aware of it as it was happening, uh, sometimes they are taken to visit the hybrid baby on the ship. And so they they might be taken as early as the gestation period in the tank that I have mentioned. And sometimes a woman is taken when uh, the baby is a quote-unquote newborn baby removed from that gestation tank. And different women react in various ways. That was my next question. How do people feel when they see these, their baby, but it's not fully human? Yes. Well, you know, that's a remarkable experience. And some of them are kind of freaked out by it. And and uh, they're always asked to hold and nurture that baby. And some of them will do it very reluctantly. Or I know of a couple of women who just refused. I mean, it's, it's just can't be mine. I mean, I just, you know, because she hadn't been aware of the process of eggs being taken and and then an embryo being put in her. Uh, the beings, the extraterrestrial beings who do this, you know, have remarkable ways of doing these things without the person being aware of it. 
because the person is made to be not in a conscious state while these things are going on. So it it sometimes is just a complete shock to the woman who's taken and shown a newborn baby and who looks rather different, kind of human, but not fully human, sometimes quite different altogether. And then to be told that it's her baby um, is, you know, very distressing for some people. However, that's only some people who experience this because um, I have talked to and regressed many women who, well, they might be surprised that they've had this baby and, um, and they might, however, remember that Oh, yeah, I was pregnant for a couple of months a while ago, maybe a year or so ago. Huh. Well, oh, you know, they don't understand how it all happened, but it kind of makes sense. Mm -hmm. And some women, when they're presented with one of these babies and said that it's hers, um, that they welcome it. They just have so much of a maternal rush of feeling that they will just open their arms and just embrace that baby and you know want to know the baby want to nurture the baby and many women really would like to be able to bring back that hybrid baby or even when the hybrid is a child and raise that one here on earth with or without other children she may have. And <clears throat> those uh, maternal rushes are really strong in some of those people. So it's quite a mixture. Also, uh, men who have had their sperm taken for this purpose, and there's their genetics, their sperm is there in that baby, uh, they sometimes are taken also. But I've not known of men to be taken when the baby is really in the tank or even newborn or even in the baby stage. But once in a while, I have regressed a man who's been taken to see a boy or a girl, a child, a hybrid child of his. Um, and the child might be oh, three years old or four or older. And I think that that's even more of a surprise to, to a man because, of course, he hasn't had the experience of being pregnant mm. for a couple of months. So that that could be even more of a shock. Right. Yeah. So the, I will go on to say, too, that um, there are other means that the beings use for reproduction with humans. Uh, sometimes they will take a male on board, a human male, and arrange it that that man will be copulating with an extraterrestrial female. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they're given like uh, the equivalent of a bed and, and a room, and um, they are enticed to do that act. And then right at the very moment of, that it counts, 
mm-hmm. uh, they the beings will come and collect the sperm. Mm-hmm. That's one way they do it. And then in other cases, they'll let the act be complete and their female extraterrestrial will carry the hybrid baby. Mm-hmm. So you see, there are various ways that these hybrids can be accomplished. Right. Created. Um, and all of this going on with most of the people who experience these things having no awareness of it consciously or very little. They might have like a little flashback of something mm. that suggests this. And of course, the women who have had the mysterious pregnancy and what we call the missing fetus. Um, when they're presented with a baby, sometimes they will remember immediately, oh, yeah, I was pregnant for a while. Well, how, how did the baby get here? Or they'll think, oh, that's what happened to that pregnancy. Uh-huh. I always wondered about that. I've wondered about that for years in many cases. So it, it is just a mysterious thing. But apparently the hybridization program is really, really important to a lot of the groups of extraterrestrial beings. And one time I counted up 16 different reasons for hybridization that had been given by my clients in regressions. This was several years ago that I made this count. So it could be that there were even more reasons given. So the extraterrestrials um, think that this is a very important thing to do to because they know, you see, they have been living for so many thousands, maybe even millions years before the human race began. So they know a lot more about long, long reaches of time. So they know that any civilization going on for millennia does well to combine with the stock of another species, similar enough. In other words, bipedal, four legs, four arms, standing upright, so forth and uh, nicely developed brains. So they, they know that that mixture of species among them and with us um, really is a helpful thing in the long run. And many of these beings have said to my clients, and it comes out in regression, that's how we know about it, uh, they have said that their own race is in danger of dying and they need to sort of refurbish their genetic pool, refurbish their stock, so to speak. And they look at humans as very interesting species to combine with. And we have characteristics that they don't have. And of course, they have characteristics that we don't have. And they are particularly fond of the fact that we have emotion. 
And we also compared to some of them, um, we have sturdier stock in in our bodies. Mm. So, you know, we we see more physical. Yeah, that the yeah that that uh, well, even in the physical realm, um, some of them are more you know very thin. Other mm-hmm. uh, what we would call spindly, mm-hmm. and weak, weaker. And they see humans as having, you know, a lot of energy and um, stamina and all kinds of physical things that we like to do and, and can do, do, do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they, they like that and they like the emotion. And they also, some of them, really like the creativity that humans have. As far as I know, and I don't know everything, I know a lot, but I don't know everything. Um, as far as I know, there are no other uh, groups of beings that have all the art and the music and the dance of all the creative arts uh, like we do. And they look at us from afar, but they look at us a lot. And they see all of this going on. And they see that life on Earth for humans is really, really interesting. Uh, In many cases, far more interesting than life on their own planet. So some of them would, would like to add all of that verve and enthusiasm and creativity originality, you know, to their gene pool by combining with us. But but several different types have said that they really do need to combine with us because uh, we are saving them from dying as a whole species. And then one of my clients says, well, why are you dying? And the answer from the extraterrestrial was, well, because we have cloned for so many thousands of years that we've really lost the ability to reproduce naturally. It just atrophied, you know, because of disuse. And um, another group of beings said, well, we have picked up too much radiation from all of the space travel that we've been doing for millennia and that radiation has slowly but surely been degrading our bodies and making it difficult to reproduce mm. and they've given you know a few other reasons too for their their race petering out so to speak and they don't want their race to die completely so they look to us for the genetic material that will help them to survive Sometimes also, they will take something from a person um, other than reproductive. Uh, They will take something from the vein of a person, for instance. And whatever that substance is that they take from one of our brains, that substance, they say, helps their infants. Really? Yeah, like one lady. I worked with several times in regression. She came one day after she woke up 
and she had a straight line scar on her inner arm where the ten, the tissue is quite tender you know on the the inner the inner forearm and uh, she had wondered about that scar she had not had it the day before but suddenly woke up and there it was and it was it closed nicely it looked like it was healing up and so we did a regression to that to her receiving that scar and it turned out that the being said there is something in this particular vein in your arm there is a substance in there in that vein more than any other vein in your body that is particularly helpful for saving the lives of our infants oh, interesting so that would probably be the ex- extraterrestrial infants and maybe even the hybrid mm. infants i don't know but but anyway she felt very pleased that this scar on her arm meant that she had helped to save the life of someone mm. even though she would probably never know who that someone was and then it just happened that a while later her husband who was also experiencing extraterrestrial encounters and had for you know most of his life anyway he also had an identical white scar about 2 inches long in each case just pure white on the skin of his left inner forearm no kidding yeah and so a husband and wife of the identical scar so we assume we may not be correct but uh we assume that maybe it was the same procedure with him that he a particular substance from that vein in the forearm inner forearm uh would was helpful for saving the life of some infants or certainly of some use to them in some way they wouldn't bother to to do it hmm. i thought that was very interesting yeah well, there's been a lot of interest in these children the hybrid children uh certainly with experiencers being taken on board to meet them and i've worked with a couple of women who in fact a few few separate women who were taken when they themselves were in their 50s or 60s um they were taken on board to meet their hybrid children it seems like they had not met the hybrid children before that sometimes they had been previously told by the extraterrestrial beings that they had had children that they had hybrid children on the ship but sometimes they didn't get to really see them or at least as far as they know mm-hmm. they didn't get to see them until they were in their 50s or 60s it had a few of those cases recently and then the the hybrid child was more of an adult by that time yes well not yes uh maybe like around 6 8 9 oh okay teenage years or early 20s mm. so all of the above depending on when 
the actual hybridization occurred. Right. And, and so it seems like they they take eggs from little girls. Little girls are full of eggs in their ovaries. And sometimes they might be three or four years old. And in a couple of cases I've worked with, um, it seems like a whole bunch of eggs were removed and then put in storage. So they wanted to create another hybrid. They would remove one of those eggs and use it for the hybridization and create a new being, a new hybrid being. Mm. So some of the women who have had hybrid children are really, really extremely interested, not not only in their own hybrid child or children, but in the whole phenomenon of hybrid children. And some of them uh, have really wanted to form a community here on earth, which would be a different kind of community than most of ours, different features in it, Um, a community for these hybrid children on the spaceships to be brought to, to be able to live on earth. So, of course, those children would have to have much more of a proportion of human in them than extraterrestrial in them in order to be able to survive here. Mm. So as far as I know, there is no community that has actually happened yet that has been created or where hybrids are living, but it's still in the planning, apparently, according to some of these beings. There was a wonderful young woman named Bridget Nielsen. Yes. Yeah, I'm familiar with her. Yes, and she's a wonderful, lovely young woman. And she had many, many extraterrestrial experiences and many hybrid children. She had been told at one point that she had 35 hybrid children. Wow. They were all living on the ship. And she just felt so loving about them. And so inspired and so happy and appreciative that they actually arranged on one occasion, and we did a regression to this, uh, to bring a, a ship down in a very rural area and in the daytime. And out of the ship came many of those 35 children. I'm not sure that she met every single one of the 35, but she met quite a a sizable group of these hybrid children. The visit couldn't last too long because the hybrids would not be able to cope very well with our viruses and bacteria. So it was a short meeting, but a wonderful one. And so was she being regressed? Were you regressing her for that meeting or was it an actual physical experience? It was an actual physical experience. That she had had, and we did a regression to relive that experience so she could be very consciously aware of it. Oh, wow. So it had had it happened like while she was sleeping? I mean, when it happened the first time? No. Oh, well, when the children were, a big group of her children were brought 
on this yes. field. They got out and you know, the, and uh, fields and rocks and things, and um, that was in the daytime. Wow, which is very good because then she could really see them. Yes, but then she couldn't quite well, remember it. Well, before the regression, she knew that something had happened that day. Okay, uh, but she didn't really know exactly what it was. I see. That that's very true of many experiencers. Mm-hmm. They were aware that something happened during the night that was very unusual, or something happened during the day and they had time, a period of time missing, mm-hmm. maybe an hour, hour and a half, or two hours. Mm-hmm. And, and then they came to, so to speak, um, wherever they had been when the experience started. Right. This is one of the things that I was curious about your opinion too, in terms of like people, because when you're talking about regressing people and they're having these experiences, they're having these remembrances of being on a ship. I I wonder about your, if you hear about people who are in that sort of in-between state between sleep, but they're still awake And maybe I'll just put this in the first person. So there are times where I am trying to go to sleep, but I'm, I know I'm not asleep. I'm very aware of what's happening, but I'll start feeling like vibrations in my body in sections of my body. So I may feel it like down at my, um, from my knee to my foot, for example, and sometimes it moves and it's a very distinct, like vibration all through, but, but also contained. So it's not my whole body vibrating. Uh-huh. And I, and I'll, and because I have the background that I have where I, I love this kind of stuff, you know, I'm like, Oh, am I on a ship? And I'll like open my eyes and I'm like, Nope, I'm in my room, but I'm definitely <laughs> vibrating. You know? And right. so it makes me curious about like from a consciousness perspective, if it's like some sort of you know, I'm experienced a part of me is experiencing something somewhere else, but my physical body, you know, I still have that, that physical location in here on earth. I don't know if that resonates or, or if you have, if anything comes to mind with that. Yes, it, yes, it does. Definitely. Well, many people, um, experience the beginning of a visit by, the visitors, the extraterrestrials, like in other words, before they actually appear in the room, uh, they may change the energy in the room. And sometimes that, I mean, I think often uh, that affects the physical body of the person who's going to be visited and removed for an experience. So you're conscious during that preliminary part. Oh, okay. And um and and the vibration, the feeling in your body. And then you may not realize it, but you're slipping out of conscious awareness while the beings actually come into the room and remove you oh. and take you up onto a ship. And remove the physical body? Well, very often they take the whole physical body. Mm-hmm. And they 
arranged to move us right through a wall mm-hmm. or a ceiling. I've had that happen myself. And sometimes they will take just the uh, the non-physical body, the astral body that we all have, whether we're aware of it or not. Mm-hmm. And um, of course, that would be easier for them, I would think. But then I don't know how these mechanics of all of this work. Um, So, yeah, so sometimes the experiences seem to be physical, but they may be happening just in the astral body. But the astral body is very connected to the physical body. So if the astral body is taken and the physical body is left remaining in the bed or wherever the experience begins, um, different things can be happening to that astral body, such as implants being put in or uh, markings put on that astral body or scoop-shaped marks or, or whatever, and it will then appear in the physical body oh, wow. Earth. Sometimes it's really hard to tell, you know, whether a person is being taken in the physical body or the astral body. It's almost it's the same thing. Right. I mean, if you're having the physical, yeah, the physical manifestation or representation and it's just through the astral, but it's coming onto the physical body, it's yeah, it's it's almost impossible to know, I guess. (laughs) Right. Without being regressed, but. Many years ago, I think probably around 1979 or 80, um, not even thinking about or knowing about the existence of extraterrestrial beings. So completely from a worldly point of view. Yeah, it was the late 1970s. um, I went to a workshop and they pointed out that the aura of the body the astral aspect of us um, is the first area of us to feel illness of any kind. If if we're going to get ill, if we're coming down with a cold or something, it will resonate in the astral, phys- uh, energetic body outside of our physical body before we feel it on the inside, on the physical part of the body. And also, in that same workshop, we were not only learning to detect the feeling of the energy field around a body and a head, but we were being taught to heal, to send healing energy into the aura because that would affect the physical body. Right. So when all of this more than a decade later came up in my awareness about extraterrestrial beings removing people and doing various processes, that all made sense to me that it would be possible to take the astral body of the person and do various things with that and return it to the person. And what you would see and feel and detect would be in the physical body. 
Mm. I mean, so I I think how wonderful that I learned that other part. Yes. Way before I ever even knew there was such a thing as extraterrestrial beings. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's like this big mosaic or this big puzzle that where the pieces come in and yeah. make sense of different things at different times. That's beautiful. Yes. In fact, I think my whole involvement with this phenomenon of extraterrestrial beings interacting with human beings, um, that has just just come piece by piece, chunk by chunk of realization. And now it everything in in my perception, everything fits together about all of this. So I want to be sure to mention the other kind of hybrids. <laughs> yes, please. We've talked about the hybrids so far that remain on the ship or on another planet and do not really have the ability to come here and live on Earth. But there's another hybrid program, which I think is absolutely wonderful. And that is that a number of the different kinds of beings uh, will create a hybrid in a whole different way than I have been describing. In other words, they will uh, choose a human woman and a human man who's often the husband of that woman, but not necessarily. Anyway, uh, they will like the uh, genetics of these two people, the man and the woman, and they will uh, take eggs from the woman, or maybe they already have eggs from an earlier time of this woman, and they will take sperm from the man, and they will combine them into an embryo. And as they're doing that, they are adding their extraterrestrial genetics. In other words, they are creating a hybrid embryo. Mm. And then after that's done, they will visit the woman and implant that hybridized embryo in her uterus. And she will uh, develop that. She will gestate it for the full term and give birth here on Earth the way that we all do, assuming on her part that this is a regular human baby, usually not knowing that that baby has already been hybridized. So that baby is you know, treated just the way we normally do treat babies and looks perfectly human. It's mostly human in proportion and will grow up like all of our children do and come into adulthood and, you know, have lives like the rest of us. Um, but they do feel different, and I will go into that in a moment. So the other way that this hybridization is happening that, that I know of is that a woman will already be pregnant, the regular, normal way that we human beings do that. And around the fifth or sixth month of the pregnancy, she is taken by the beings, and they will inject in her some fluid which contains their genetics. And so they, they feel around the abdomen, the, 
pregnant abdomen of the woman. And then they feel over the uterus and they feel the fetus through the uterus. They're very sensitive fingers that can detect these things. And then they inject like a hypodermic needle, um, inject their genetics into the fetus in the womb. So that's how that one gets hybridized. And then when that fetus is full term and is born, he or she is already hybridized. Mm. So these babies are sometimes female and sometimes they're male. And I know some of each gender and they're really, really wonderful beings, wonderful human beings who have a good proportion of extraterrestrial genetics in them. So anyway, uh, these children um, are treated like everybody else. They look perfectly normal human children and they go through school and have all the experiences that the rest of us do. But through it all, they say they always feel different than everybody else. They feel different somehow, even than their own families. And very typically, they feel that their real, true family is not here. Their true family is out there in space. And many of them, as children and young adults, will go out frequently and look up at the night sky and say, where are you? You know, why Why aren't I with you? Why don't you, why don't you come? They don't know who they're talking to, but, um, but they just have that very, very strong sense that their true family is out there and that this is some other type of family that's taking care of them. Of course, their parents are not pleased to hear this. <laughs> And the parents assure them that they were born right here and that they are their children. But nevertheless, they carry that feeling. Also, from a very early age, they they notice that uh, they're different in the sense of having a lot of psychic perceptions and and that they have the ability to know what other people are thinking. In other words, they have the ability to have telepathy. And they notice that they see auras around people and they can know exactly who has a headache or who has a stomach ache or who has a backache without anybody indicating that themselves. Uh, so, And they also notice that they have the ability to heal other people, to 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 determine when a person has a malady and they'll just go up to that person and hold the hand up and all this energy will come out of the palm of the hand and they will add healing energy to that person. Wow. So usually they're the only one in the family who has those abilities. They also can do things like move things with their minds unless they're incredibly heavy things. And they can also pick up a watch or a piece of jewelry from somebody and close their eyes. And in a few moments, know so many things about that person. In other words, psychometry ability. 
So they they notice these differences that they have these abilities which they feel are perfectly natural, but it doesn't seem like anybody else in their family or any of their friends or anybody they know have these abilities. So they they wonder about that. And another common factor is that they are frequently visited by the extraterrestrial beings who gave them their genetics. In other words, it really is their family. Uh, very often nowadays, they come to refer to those extraterrestrials as their star family because they seem to come from the stars and they definitely feel like family. So when these beings come to these hybrids living here on Earth, the hybrids totally welcome them. They're joyful. There's no fear. Uh, they just totally welcome. Oh, good. I'm home. That sort of feeling. You are my true family. And so the reason for this hybridization program is that these beings who give their genetics to humans, they would really like to help the situation here in humanity. They, they care about the earth itself, and they want us to take good care of the earth. They want to inspire us to do what we need to do to take good care of the earth. And they also care very much about humanity itself. And they would love to be able to come here and help to raise the consciousness of humanity. But because they can't, the extraterrestrials, who wish this, they cannot come here and live here on Earth. Again, they would not be accepted and they would not uh, be able to deal with our viruses and bacteria. They would not last very long if, if they did try to stay here. So the next best thing that they can do, and I think it makes perfect sense, the next thing they can do is to create these hybrid humans who are mostly human and, and will live here like the rest of us. And those hybrids will be doing the work that they would like to do. So it's all about improving humanity's consciousness, raising the consciousness of humanity and helping humanity in a very decent way, non-threatening way, to know that there are many, many species of extremely intelligent beings out there in space that most of humanity has not really known about ever, as far as we know, through, through the ages. And it's time now, they say, for humanity to wake up, that, that we are part of this huge community of many, 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 many races of beings. And many of them are very, very fine beings. Some of them are more renegade, more negatively oriented beings. But we need to know about those too, because they also have some influence on humans, whether we realize it or not. So, but they particularly want us to raise in consciousness and embrace the fact that 
there are these many very benevolent beings out there in space. Mm. There is a big galactic federation of nations. We would call them nations. They would call them species out there in space. And it's rather like our United Nations in a way in that there are representatives in that council from many, many different races of beings from different planets, different parts of the cosmos. And so it's a very large group. And the more negatively oriented beings who try to do negative influencing, they are not allowed to be part of that council. But the benevolent ones are part of this galactic federation. And these beings would really like to see human beings be part of that council. We have not qualified for that yet because we're still waging war and there are so many negative things happening through greed and deceit and honesty and the murders and the killings and gangs. And, you know, I mean, we're, we're just not anywhere close to being accepted into that community. But because we have wonderful qualities, too, as human beings, they would really like to see us advance and develop and get rid of these negative behaviors and qualify for being part of the Galactic Federation. Mm. So there are certain themes that have come through from the beings in each one of the hybrids that we, Miguel Mendonca and I, have interviewed at great length mm-hmm. for the book Meet the Hybrids. And um, it's been so interesting that every single one, we actually interviewed nine people f- for the book, but uh, cut it down to eight because of the size the book was developing into. And uh, so each one of the eight people said very similar things about their experience of being a hybrid. And they all wondered and have asked their beings, well, what about God? What What is your understanding of the spiritual nature of things and your notion of, of God? And they all said, we are all part of the one great creative source. That's how they referred to it, the great creative source. And we are all one, O-N-E, one. So every one of these hybrids was totally imbued in that view and wanted that to be known that we're all no matter what species we are on the earth or elsewhere uh, we are all part of the great creator source and we are all one when you say that, when you say we're all part of that great creator source, you said it twice and I could feel in my spine, this like vibration, it like a, 
a surge of, of vibration and it was so beautiful and so pronounced. Yes. And so I, I love to just highlight that because the fact that it happened twice makes me think that other people may pick that up when they're listening. Um, so there's something about that that is resonating with me in my spine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, me too. And that's why I said it twice, because mm. when I say it, I feel something so special mm. and so expanded. Yes. And, you know, here on Earth, there is a tremendous amount of influence about our individuality in this country, United States. I was going to say, especially in America. (laughs) We've we've been uh, taught from earliest times, I think, you know, that each one of us is an independent person and we have independent rights and and so forth. And all of that's very good. I believe that too. But it has caused a separation in us, I think. And when you really think about it, you know, there are different competing teams in all of the sports. The Olympics has the whole whole world competing against each other. Separateness, in other words, separateness. And um, different monetary systems, different political systems, different customs, different races, different looks, different styles, different political parties. I mean, even in this country, it's always, whether it's election time or not, there's always that division Yeah, two main political parties. And, and people feel divided because of that very often. And uh, now, nowadays, we're dealing with those who are taking the vaccine and believe thoroughly in that, and those who refuse to take the vaccines and believe thoroughly in that. So just, I mean, one example after the other of the divisiveness, the, you know, the dividing us up mm-hmm. that has happened, and not just in this country, but it's really um, in many other countries as well. So the beings know that that causes problems because one country against another country or one political system against another political system eventuates in war. And war is just so retrograde. It's just, uh, from my point of view, it always has been too, but uh, especially from their point of view, that that's not the way that you solve things. Right. And so they really want us to advance and to raise in consciousness. Also, they're very aware of the whole process of ascension, mm-hmm. which many people are aware is going on, ascension of each person in humanity and ascension of the earth itself. And uh, ascending to a higher vibration where there will not be war and killings and murder and enmity in any way and of the way that many of their civilizations have evolved they many of them went through their thousands of years of wars also and eventually evolved 
And it's just it's so much better way to live mm-hmm. with evolution. And they would like to see that for us. Yeah. To see that too. Me too. <laughs> Let's do that. Yes. <laughs> so mm-hmm. in your book, you also touch on in, in Meet the Hybrids, you talk about the there were there was at least one that was more of like a government hybridized program. Am I remembering that correctly? Yes, yes. Yes. Sophia Crawford. Um, yeah. I'm not telling tales out of school because she she has been publicly talking about this too. Mm-hmm. Yes, Cynthia's father uh was part of a special government program unknown to the public uh, program, and they were experimenting to see if they could successfully create a hybrid being. And so they took the mother who had been given a drug to not be aware of what was going on. The father did this. Yeah, his wife, right? Yeah, right, his wife. Wow. And um, but I mean, he was convinced this was a really worthy cause mm-hmm. and something important to do. And um, and then she was given an embryo uh, that had been hybridized using his sperm. So he was the actual father to of her, the mother's eggs and the father's sperm. And uh, created the embryo and put that in the mother. And she carried that baby full term and gave birth to Cynthia, who lived her life as a hybrid. Uh, Also, after that impregnation into her womb, um, she conceived, the mother conceived another baby. So actually, Cynthia had a twin sister, although, although the twin was just a regular human and Cynthia was a hybrid um, and that uh, hybrid sister was born a little bit after Cynthia was because she was conceived after Cynthia had been placed as an embryo in the the womb. Like days later, weeks later? Well, I think it was a couple of weeks later, but I'm not positive about that. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, that was unusual, uh, but I don't think it was alarming. Um, I mean, everything, the mother and the baby were all right, you know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But she had this newborn Cynthia and then another one when she was just adjusting to that. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And those two girls were very different. Mm -hmm. They were both uh, girls, but they uh, were very, very different personalities and never became really close the way that twins feel automatically extremely close and connected. That did not happen with those two girls. Mm-hmm. So Cynthia grew up to help many, many, many people who were having extraterrestrial encounters and help many, many people who were hybrids or wondering if they were hybrids. She was one person who introduced several hybrids to me, um, in, in, including Jacqueline Smith, mm-hmm. whom I already knew, but I didn't know she was a hybrid. Oh, right. <laughs> Until Cynthia pointed that out. 
Um, anyway, she's helped so many people who've been having experiences with the other beings. And she's been a good channel, in a sense, for the beings because she made many, many sculptures of the different types of beings. And she would kind of go into a meditative state with the, the clay in her hands, and she would channel the directions from the beings of how to make their being, what their being looked like, and what color she painted them too, and what color their skin was, and what color their eyes were, and what color their clothing was that they typically wore. Mm. So she kept helping to sort of bring them more into our awareness. Unfortunately, she did pass away a couple of years ago. Oh. It was just shortly before the COVID, but it was nothing to do with COVID. She had a tumor in her brain. But she, as she was getting close to the end of her life, um, she was quite peaceful and even cheerful about it because she had been promised by her beings whom she had come to love very much that she would be working even more effectively with them after she would leave her physical life. And she has communicated with Jacqueline and a couple of the other hybrids who've reported it to me. And she is very, very happy being with the other beings. Oh, wow. So that raises a, another aspect here that I would like to mention is that there are many, many humans, including her, including Jacqueline, including me, um, who have discovered that we have had many past lives as some of these other species, mm -hmm. one at a time, of course. And um, I think that that's true of many human beings, maybe all, I don't know, but at least many, that they have, in previous incarnations, they had had a series of lifetimes as various extraterrestrial beings. And yet in this lifetime, we have been so separated from that idea until quite recently, relatively recently. Um, and I think it's, it's a, a wonderful thing to really consider that, that, you know, we who've always thought of ourselves, of course, totally as human, uh, and we are human now for these lifetimes, but we had experience being other types. And when we realize this, this can help us to, I think, be more interested in those other types. And what would it be like to be a mantis being? Mm. What would it be like to be an Arcturian or an Andromedon or a Pleiadian mm. or a Syrian, you know, and so on? Um, what would it be like even to be a short gray Zeta being? You know, the experience would be totally different. And in the regression work I have done since 1991, uh, I have had a few people who have gone into regressions in which they were 
a previous type of being, another type of being, which we would call extraterrestrial. And um, that's been very interesting. With one woman, there were four different species of extraterrestrials that she had been. Uh, wow. We did regressions to. And it was extremely interesting to see the differences, particularly in their consciousness, mm. you know, going from heart, hive mind, group mind, in one case, to being in another series of incarnations where she was a being, and it was almost completely group mind, and her soul decided, no, that's not, I don't want to go there completely. I don't want to be completely group mind. I want some individuality. So in um, the next incarnation, she was a different in extraterrestrial species where they did have um, much more individual consciousness. And in that incarnation, she was taught healing and apparently became quite a good healing, even a healer of abducted human beings. Really? Yeah. That came up in one regression. She found herself as an extraterrestrial as she looked down with similar types of beings around her. They were standing around a medical type table, and she was being taught how to heal that abducted human male. Wow. Yeah. And she really embraced the process of healing. And then in this lifetime, not knowing about that at all, and grew up like the rest of us do, uh, she became um, very effective in working in a large corporation. And she was moving up the corporate ladder, so to speak, in management doing very, very well for a relatively young woman. And then uh, at some point in her 30s, she suddenly dropped out of that work, even though she had a great career ahead of her, and became a healer hmm. and just knew that she needed to be healing people and studied healing with Barbara Brennan back in New York learned very effective ways of healing. And during that time, when she was still getting the healing training, uh, we did a regression, and we went into that series of, of lifetimes. We did several regressions. And in the last one, we went to when she was the extraterrestrial learning healing of an abducted human man. <laughs> that was the one that apparently really influenced her eventually in this lifetime to be a healer. So that regression happened back in the 1990s, and she's still very effectively doing her healing work at a, a clinic, healing clinic in uh, San Fernando Valley of Southern California. Yeah, so I mean, how, how wonderful. Yes, yeah. <laughs> 
it's just phenomenal. This the whole um, the whole concept of the the human hybrids, and you know, you've touched on kind of this the soul perspective of it as well, because when we talk about ascension, um, and we're all kind of on this planet at this uh, really ripe and unusual time for humanity, you know, really unique time. Um, each of these, each of us and each of the hybrids that we've talked about, they also have their soul spark. So they've got their, their, the soul that is embodying the genetics. So we've talked a lot about the genetics, but yeah. it's, there's also this, the soul where, and you, and you mentioning like how many of us have had past lives in, you know, off planet, off, off earth. Um, but this whole, the whole, if we, when we step back and we think about the, the whole architecture of the design of what we're in and what's happening and the big picture and the eternal aspect of who all of us are yeah, and, and being here at this time and, and what it means. And, um, it, it's really amazing because even those of us who may not have the genetic, you know, the, the genetic uniqueness of a hybrid experience like Jacqueline or like Cynthia, um, or, you know, the, the six other people in your book and the many, many other people that probably don't even know that they're hybrids, you know, but then there's the soul aspect, the completely etheric part of us that is, you know, um, that is, I don't want to say separate from the genetic side, but more than our genetics, I guess I should say is. Yes. Well, the soul continues on through all of these lifetimes and the time in between lifetimes and the soul makes a choice about what it's going to be, you know, what culture or what planet even uh, it's going to be incarnated on. It doesn't have to do that. It just chooses to. So the, the soul, as I'm learning more about it all the time or trying to, um, this the soul is learning and developing through eons of time. And the way that it most particularly does develop is through having in a lifetime somewhere. Now, we're accustomed to thinking of lifetimes on Earth, and most of us probably have had many, many, many lifetimes on Earth, and this can be found out through regression, which is really fascinating. Um, but we can also have lifetimes as other species on other planets if we choose to as a soul. And I think that that's a very important change, actually. I mean, like to go from, for you and I, to to go from being a human for probably many lifetimes uh, to being a different species on a different planet you know that's that's a huge step and yet it's all contributing to the growth and development of the soul so one of our hybrids Jacqueline Smith whom you mentioned earlier uh, Jacqueline Smith has the ability to give a star origin 
reading. That's what she calls it. Mm -hmm. It's a session, kind of like a psychic sort of session. But focus on the lifetimes that we have had, and particularly the lifetimes that we have had as different species. So she can look back to the very beginning of our souls incarnating anywhere and then trace it back through different species of extraterrestrials that we have been. Our soul chose to do that. And then, of course, into this lifetime. Mm. And I would imagine she would have the ability, if we asked her, uh, to trace back a number of the lifetimes that we've had here as humans. But her focus is, uh, her unique focus um, is mostly on previous lifetimes that we've had as other extraterrestrial species. Yes. Some of that influence comes through, I think, at least when she was giving me my star origin reading, which I appreciate so much. She gave this reading to me back in 2015, and it still just resonates wonderfully with me every time I think of any of that. And when she mentioned certain types of beings that I had been, I had an enormous amount of resonation with that. For instance, she mentioned that for several lifetimes, I had been a mantis being mm -hmm. and immediately felt this big burst of light and love in myself and said, oh, no wonder I've been so loving, so positive about the mantis beings and talking to so many people about the mantis beings. They're wonderful, wonderful beings. Whereas a lot of people I had met along the way, I thought, oh, those mantis beings, they're like great giant bugs. You know, <laughs> felt really uncomfortable with them. And I've always felt very, very open and, and welcoming and loving mm -hmm. about them. And, and the same with the watery, uh, the uh, beings on a watery planet uh, that are similar in a way to our dolphin beings. And when she mentioned that, I immediately thought, oh, no wonder it was so important for me to go to Hawaii five years in a row and swim out in the deep ocean with dolphins. That was something I just had to do, had to do, and did do. And so forth. So sometimes people have a sort of a resonation or a recognition of a particular extraterrestrial species. And it could be that they had maybe long ago, but could have been one of those members of that species also. Yeah. We just don't remember. We don't right. consciously remember our past lives. In most cases, maybe the rare person does, but um, but the wonderful thing is that if we want to know, we can find out in regression. So I have done hundreds, probably a few thousand past life regressions, and some, most of those have been to previous lives on Earth, but a few of them have been to 
the experience of extraterrestrial beings coming to Earth. And that began happening before I ever even began regressing people to extraterrestrial experiences. Oh, really? In other words, just uh, doing in the late 1980s, for instance, having been studying past life regression therapy, being trained for five years during that time, even before that time, uh, when I first did any regressions at all, a couple of times, uh, somebody found themselves in the regression on a different planet and being a different kind of being. Wow. So, you know, that sort of mm, got my attention. <laughs> yes. Maybe we really do have lifetimes on other planets as other types of beings. Right. Quite a quite a number of them that have come up. You know, probably at least 50 or 60 regressions I've done where people have found themselves as another kind of being on a different planet, whether yeah. to Earth for a visit or not. They they were that type of being. Wow. We, we are all so much more than we think we are. Yes. I think that that is fascinating. And I think our whole culture, you know, just narrows us down to focusing on being a human and being here on earth. And that's what we are. And we are that. And we're so much more. Yeah. So yeah. Much more as a soul, having many different kinds of experiences. And this is just one of them. Right. Well, and I love how you were earlier talking about, you know, over your career of having all of these regressions and, and all the learning that you've been doing and the expanding and the exploring and how things that haven't made sense when you first learn about it, <clears throat> excuse me, or you know, they find their place. They find, you know, ultimately it may take a while, but eventually it's like, oh, that's how that fits in. And I've had similar experiences where, you know, I could have heard about an ET hybrid human, you know, years ago and, and just dismissed it as fantasy or, you know, that that's not real. I'm not going to be tricked, <laughs> you know, that kind of a thing. And <laughs> It's it's an evolution. It's like something that I had in, and I don't actually remember hearing about that in the past. I'm I'm kind of using that as an example, but there have been things that have like it, it was not something that I could accept when I first heard about it, and sure. then over time, they things other things come in and it finds its place of a way that that it makes sense and that it fits in and it actually is like really logical. Yes. And so that's just something that I encourage people who might be listening, who, you know, a lot of the things that we've touched on may be kind of new territory, maybe something that, that sounds a little fantastical um, when you're just getting exposed to it. So just to, to kind of hold it with an openness and a curiosity and a and just see what kind of comes in over time that 
where it, it can help to build out a new understanding. Because like you say, we live in this culture, not just culture. I mean, this whole experience for now is very, it, I feel that the veil is very thick, you know, in, in our human experience. It's not, a, yeah. you know, when you talked about the Galactic Federation, it's like, yes, we have the war thing. And we just have the consciousness of like, so many people don't even know that that there is or accept that there is life outside of earth, you know? Um, and that's, you know, I don't know what the percentage is on the planet, but I can imagine that as a, as a human species, we would have to have enough of a consciousness perhaps that, that accepts that and has experience with it to be able to be represented in the galactic federation. But yeah. so it's, it's, I just, I love to encourage people to just kind of, you know, let the new things come in and hold them and in, in keep space for them. And then just like, see how things come to fill out the missing pieces, you know, because it's, it's how it works for all of us. And I think you stated it really beautifully early on about how that's happened for you. Yes. And uh, I so much appreciate your emphasizing all that. And there's another aspect maybe we could talk about another time if you'd be interested. And that's the aspect of walk-ins. Oh, yes. I just had Sheila on. Sheila Seppi. I would love to talk about that another time. Yeah, Yeah. I just released it on Thursday. So um, good. Did she talk about being a walk-in? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And I know you wrote the foreword for her book, which was a beautiful book. Yes. I regressed her a couple of times and yeah, she's a, a wonderful woman and she's such a a dazzling example of a walk-in who came here to do a mission and is doing it mm-hmm. with her wish alliance and her conscious awakening network and yes. all the people that she's bringing out into the light, shall we say, to talk about their spiritual perspective on things. Yes. I mean, oh, she's absolutely doing fantastic work. Yes. She bypassed love- all the things of, you know, being born on earth and being a baby and a toddler and a young school child and going through teenage difficulties and bypass all that by walking into the body of, oh, with permission, total agreement, a mm-hmm. uh, body of a woman who was, you know, an adult, mm-hmm. as she could carry on the work of being adult, the work that right. that original woman wasn't doing, but she, uh, coming from somewhere else, a higher plane, uh, wanted to be doing here and is doing here and doing it delightfully. Right. You know, it's just amazing. What a what a shining example she is of being a walk-in. Absolutely. Yeah. She, she made a comment about saying something to her, her guides or her team um, about, okay. And then after this, can I have a little break? And they were like, what do you think you came here to do? You're not on vacation. No. (laughs) (laughs) She and they have a sense of humor. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. She really is here. It's it's yeah. amazing to me what she accomplishes. Yes. With such goodwill. 
Yes. Good humor, high energy, clear vision. I mean, she's just like 50 of us wrapped into one. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 I would love to explore that with you. Let's, let's do that. And, um, and I'll, I'll be so excited to have you back. We're, we're recording this on new year's Eve. And this is like such an honor to close out 2022 with you. And then, yay, we have, we already know that in 2023, we will, we'll get together and we'll explore walk-ins and, and okay. dive into that area of consciousness. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. It's all expanding of our awareness. Right. And, you know, when we get bogged down with little annoyances and little problems as we all do um it's it's wonderful to just step back and think oh wow you know it's such a huge picture of of reality my my little problem right now uh, is bothering me but it is just nothing compared to the totality of reality going on well said yes oh. May we all have that perspective as we hit the the challenges that feel insurmountable that we all go through. It really yes. helps to to keep that in mind for sure. Yes, right. Well, Kara, it's wonderful to be with you. I just love your openness and your shiningness. You are a shining being. Oh, thank you so much, Barbara. Really, it is just it's, it's just such an honor to be with you. And I, I thank you so much for all the work that you do to help individuals to experience themselves in such a grander way. And then also just the educational outreach that you do through interviews like this so that we can all get a, a bigger idea of reality. And it, it's just so, so beautiful and vital. Thank you. Great. Wonderful. Thanks so much for being here. You are welcome. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'd love for you to do me one quick favor, which is to think of one person who would benefit from hearing this content. Let them know you're thinking of them by sharing this episode with them right now. Thank you, and I look forward to the next meditation conversation.